Welcome to Back to the Basics with Pastor Jason McClendon. This program is sponsored by Crossroads Christian Fellowship, a non-denominational, conservative, and evangelical church focusing on returning to the mindset of believers in the New Testament church. The acronym BASICS, in the name of the program, stands for Believing and Sharing in Christ's Salvation. We are disciples making disciples who make disciples. And now, here is the message. Good morning and welcome to Crossroads Christian Fellowship. The message today is about loving Jesus and the kind of devotion that God desires. But first, let's pray. Father, Thank you for letting us be here today to hear your message. Thank you for the grace that you have given us. We pray that you keep us safe so that we may continue to serve you and do our part in whatever you've called for us to do. We ask that you give us the gifts and the strength to fulfill whatever tasks you lay before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The reading for today is from the book of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When we look at the setting described here, Jesus was an invited guest in the home of a Pharisee. There were probably other guests there who were watching everything that was taking place. The atmosphere was probably pretty stiff, as Jesus had a reputation for simply speaking the truth without holding back, and sometimes the targets of his discussions were pretty embarrassed. This Pharisee, who was named Simon, was probably pretty smug in his own right. 
Being a Pharisee, he was probably pretty comfortable in his own opinion of how well he followed the Judaic law and how he was recognized among society as being a holy man. I realize there's a lot of probabilities in that, but uh, we only have so much in the story. So some of this, we have to make sure that we are researching the times and looking at other similar events in order to kind of figure out some of what was going on at the time. It is very likely that the dinner guests were reclining at the table, which was quite customary at that time. In other words, they were literally lying down on couches with their head at the table, propping themselves up by the elbow with their feet behind them. Now, if this was the case, and it likely was, it would have been very easy for this woman to approach Jesus and anoint his feet without actually approaching the table itself. The narrative says that the woman brought an alabaster jar of perfume. This is something that was much more expensive than simply anointing with olive oil, which was most commonly used in the day. This was sacrificial on her part to use this perfume. It is apparent, therefore, that she was overcome with joy at the ability to worship Jesus in such a way. It is also apparent that she was repentant, because although not directly stated, Jesus clearly knew why she was acting in such a manner. She was repentant and responded accordingly through worship. And then Jesus said her sins were forgiven. But I'll come back to that later. So this woman stood behind Jesus, weeping and washing his feet with her tears, then wiping his feet with her hair, then kissing his feet, then pouring expensive perfume on his feet. Absolute worship. There were other people around who were watching and probably laughing at her a little bit, but she didn't care. This was a demonstration of overflowing love for her Savior. Clearly, Simon the Pharisee didn't get it. He even said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Again, he said that to himself, but Jesus knew what he said. Now, many people understood that this woman was a prostitute, but uh, that is not necessarily the case. Uh, I, I see that written in various commentary, and, and the understanding, again, is that that was her role. She was a prostitute. It doesn't say that. The Bible is not clear about that. It simply says that she was a sinful woman. However, to be clear, even if that was the case, prostitution is a sin. But that sin is no greater than the sins that you and I have committed. And the gift of grace is available to us no matter what sins we have committed in the past. So whether she was a prostitute or an adulterer or a liar or a gossiper, that doesn't matter. What matters is that she was repentant. She turned away from her sin and became a new person. That is the focus here. So, she came into this house to worship Jesus. She knew others were watching, and she didn't care. She may have considered that Simon might throw her out of the house. After all, she knew that the public scorned her, and maybe they were gossiping about her. She went in, but she went in anyway. A changed, repentant person who simply wanted to bask in the joy of worshiping Jesus. Now, although it is possible at some point prior to this event that she actually spoke words of repentance, but even if she didn't, Jesus knew her heart. This very well could have been the action of completely surrendering her heart and life to Jesus, which he recognized. Maybe she was so broken that she couldn't speak. The act of letting her hair down in public like she did to wash the feet of Jesus was actually forbidden. But it was also such an act of humility. Words were not necessary. 
The type of perfume she had with this alabaster jar was very expensive at that time. And by describing the way he does, Luke is making the point that this was probably the most valuable and precious possession that she had. And she used it to anoint the feet of Jesus. This was a supreme act of humility and love and complete surrender. It is a perfect example of how each and every single one of us should come before the Lord. Broken because we are. Humble because we should be. Loving because He first loved us. And with complete surrender, actually committing to make Jesus the Lord of our life. Now Simon was probably a little bit offended that this woman had come into his house or that she had come into his house uninvited and that she was interrupting the dinner. She wasn't necessarily making noise or bothering anybody else, but she was definitely making a scene. Now, if Simon knew who this woman was, the other guests probably did too. And he was probably a little bit embarrassed, but didn't say anything because he was watching to see how Jesus handled the situation. Additionally, it was Simon's dinner party. He might have been a little bit offended that all of the attention was on Jesus rather than on him. We don't know whether Jesus was invited as a guest of honor or just as a dinner guest, but we do know that as the host of the party, Simon had committed several social errors, possibly on purpose, because he didn't have Jesus' feet washed when he came into the house, which was a common courtesy of the day, because everyone was wearing sandals and their feet would get dirty. He didn't anoint his head with oil, which was common when receiving guests, and he didn't offer him a kiss of greeting when he arrived, which was also common and similar to greeting somebody with a handshake in modern America. By the way, in some countries, it is still customary to offer this kiss of greeting when welcoming someone into your home or otherwise meeting with them. Now, we don't know why Simon even invited Jesus to his house. Clearly, he wasn't convinced that Jesus was a prophet. He probably didn't think Jesus was the Messiah. Maybe he was trying to figure out who he was. Maybe he was trying to get to know him so that he could better understand who this man was that everyone seemed so obsessed with. Jesus had become somewhat of a celebrity. Maybe Simon just enjoyed the company of celebrities because it made him appear to be more important when celebrities came to his house for dinner. Because Simon was a Pharisee, he was probably rich, which means his house was uh, more than likely designed around a courtyard in the middle with a table where these dinners could be served. It is an area like this that the dinner would have taken place. And during these dinners, local members of the public were usually allowed and invited to stand around inside the courtyard to listen to the discussions, especially if it involved a celebrity. Now, maybe the invitation was truly seen as an opportunity for Simon to seek more information about this Jesus person to find out what people were saying and, and if it was true. Maybe he invited Jesus because he wanted to be the one to prove that he was a fraud. We don't know. Maybe if he thought he was a fraud, though, that might explain why he treated him rudely with not having his feet washed or properly greeted, etc., what we do know is that Jesus demonstrated love to everyone. He fellowshiped with sinners. He fellowshiped with the religious elite, who, by the way, were sinners too. They just didn't think so. He was always ready and willing to share the message of repentance and salvation to anyone who would listen. And he always spoke the truth. And clearly, this woman who washed his feet, she got it. But what about the others? 
Simon was probably a man of high status, at least in the local area. Based on his response to the woman washing the feet of Jesus, he was probably self-righteous. He didn't want to embarrass himself or necessarily make a scene at his house. So when the woman was washing Jesus' feet, he only said to himself the condescending comment about Jesus being a prophet. He considered himself better than everyone else. He was, for example, the host of the dinner party. He was better than the sinful woman for sure, and he certainly wouldn't have allowed her to even touch him. He perceived his own judgment as better than others. For example, he thought that if Jesus knew who the woman was, he wouldn't have anything to do with her. Of course, quite the contrary is true. But being self-righteous, he didn't sense a need for forgiveness. He didn't feel like he needed to repent. He was a Pharisee who had given his life to study and practice his religion. If anyone was good enough, it was surely him. Although he violated the social gestures of having Jesus' feet washed or the proper greeting, that wasn't sin. In fact, if he looked down on Jesus and thought himself to be better than him, maybe he expected Jesus to come to him to offer the greeting because the Pharisee considered himself to be higher in status. But that wasn't sin. In his eyes, he wasn't a sinner at all. He didn't require forgiveness. In this parable of the two debtors, Jesus made a clear comparison to the sinful woman and to Simon the Pharisee. Being the host of the party, having invited others in to watch this celebrity and listen to the dinner conversations, this is what Simon had been hoping and waiting for, the message that Jesus would give, and it would be heard by all who were invited, right at Simon's house. But it didn't go the way he had hoped. He was looking for something that would make him, the Pharisee, look good. That could have been something that embarrassed Jesus and made it clear that he was not the Messiah or even a prophet, or something magnanimous that would be shared at Simon's house, still making Simon out to be the hero. Surprise! That's not what happened. Jesus obviously knew the thoughts of Simon, but he also knew the thoughts of everyone around him, just like he knew the thoughts of the sinful woman. Jesus told the story of the two debtors and then simply asked which one of them would love the moneylender more. And Simon correctly answered that the one who had been forgiven more would. But it was more than this. The one who recognizes they need forgiveness will be more ready to accept that they need a savior. But first, we have to recognize that we are a sinner, no matter how good we think we are. Mark Chapter 10, verse 18 says, No one is good except God alone. And Romans 3.23 tells us that we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior, period. Some of us have sinned more than others, but none of us are good enough to get into heaven on our own. We cannot be self-righteous like Simon the Pharisee. We must be repentant like the sinful woman. Compared to the sinful woman whose sins were many and were publicly known, the Pharisee was probably a good person, at least by worldly standards. So while she recognized her need for forgiveness, he did not. And sometimes we can find ourselves in that same boat. Sometimes we can think more highly of ourselves because by worldly standards, we are good people. But we are not. We are sinners in need of the Savior. Hopefully, by using this parable, it opened the eyes of Simon the Pharisee to recognize that although he didn't think his sins were great, like the sinful woman in his eyes, they were enough that he still needed to be forgiven.
The point about who would love the moneylender more was that the person with more sin in their life would recognize it more easily, while the one with less sin might need to do a little bit more soul searching. But the sin is still there. Anyone who repentantly comes to Christ will be forgiven. But the more we sense how hopeless our situation is, the more we will appreciate the gift of grace and the sacrifice of Christ. Those who recognize how much we need forgiveness and are forgiven because of God's love will respond with much love. But there is another huge part of this story as well. Jesus turned to the woman and said, your sins are forgiven. As the narrative says, the other guests responded with, who is this that even forgives sins? This was hugely important because only God can forgive sins. And that's what they were talking about. This is one of those examples where Jesus claimed divinity, where he claimed to be God, because only God can forgive sins. Sometimes skeptics will say that Jesus never claimed to be God, but this is an example of where he did. He knew exactly what he was saying and how the people around him would respond. This was the so-called blasphemy for which he was executed. By forgiving sins, he directly claimed to be God. The guests at the dinner party were surprised and started asking, who is this? And they only saw a small part of what he did. We have a vast record of what he said and what he did. And each one of us should at some point be asking, who is this Jesus? If we haven't already asked and answered that question, at least. But another question that we've got to ask and answer for ourselves is, who are you? With, compared to the people in this story, who are you? Are you like the self-righteous man who thought he was fine, who thought he was better than everyone else and didn't need Jesus? He might have wanted to make a display of Jesus like so many religious people do today without ever actually being a Christian. Are you like one of the other guests at the party, the ones who stood around listening and watching, who wondered who this Jesus could be? We have a lot of watchers in our world today, people who never make a decision. Or... Are you like the sinful woman who showed up at this dinner party to worship Jesus, to give her utter and complete devotion, to sacrifice, uh, sacrificially give him her most precious possession, to show up broken, fully recognizing that she was a sinner in need of a Savior, to be willing to serve him and worship him regardless of what anybody else around thought, and even knowing that she was possibly the target of humiliation or gossip? but yet to completely surrender herself to Jesus. This, my friends, is the picture of who we should be. As we go forward in our lives, let it be so. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Oh, we are humbled to be in relationship with you. We recognize that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and we thank you for sending us Jesus. We do not deserve the grace that you have provided, but we thank you for it. God, we ask that you keep us on the path of righteousness so that we may ever remember who we are. Not who we were, but rather who we are, as in the new creation we are in Christ. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you. Thank you. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, running a ministry is not free. 
There are many costs associated with developing and running programs, and we humbly ask for your support, especially if our messages have touched your heart or you believe they will touch the hearts of other people. We ask that you first pray about how God wants you to proceed, and then, if you feel led, help us focus on building the kingdom of God. If you are a Christian and you are not tithing anywhere, please consider tithing to us or consider gifting to us, however God leads. Remember, the money you have is God's money that He blessed you with to manage and to be a good steward. The money you tithe and gift to us builds the ministry of Crossroads Christian Fellowship and the International College for Christian Studies. The more financial support we receive, the more people we can reach. You can make this monthly contribution or one-time gift through PayPal by going to donationforchurch.com. You can also find other ways to donate on that webpage. Thank you in advance for your support and may God bless you. Friends, I sincerely hope that you are already a follower of Jesus. But if you are not, you need to know that the Bible makes it absolutely clear that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. We are all sinners and we all need Jesus. None of us can do it on our own. When we die, we will either go to heaven or to hell. But the ability to spend eternity in heaven is a free gift from God. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Because he loved us so much, Jesus paid the penalty of death for our sins. He paid the price with his own blood, which means that we don't have to. That gift is free, and to receive it, all you have to do is recognize that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Confess your sins to God. Repent of your sins. In other words, you have to turn away from them and turn your life over to Jesus, asking Him and allowing Him to be the Lord of your life. Remember, just because you repent and make Jesus your Lord does not mean you will instantly become perfect but you do need to strive to model your life after Jesus. There are no magic formulas or special prayers to become a Christian. Just make it known to God. Just tell Him. He knows what's in your heart. Now, if you've made the decision to dedicate your life to Christ, which is often referred to as being born again, or if you've made the decision to rededicate your life to Christ, please let us know. Go to IamSavedByJesus.com and tell us about your decision. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to know if we can help you along the way. If you haven't made that decision yet, please pray about it, and we'll pray for you too if you let us know. This is the most important decision you can ever make in your entire life. It only takes a few seconds to decide, but the ramifications of your choice are literally eternal. Take it seriously. Remember, go to IamSavedByJesus.com, and we look forward to hearing from you. God bless. Well, it's almost time to go. Thank you for sharing this time with us. We are praying regularly for you and ask that you do the same for us. Until we come together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord make His face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Go now into the world and serve the Lord. Amen.